Well, we are at message number nine. Three more to go. And uh, it's been a journey. I've enjoyed every bit of it. I want to remind all of you here that um, we will be making CDs of the entire series if you want to hear. We also have the notes from all of the messages on the back table. If you missed any of them, please make sure that you pick those up before you leave. Um, Today's message is the millennial reign of Christ on the earth and the judgment of Satan. Before we actually read the scripture, I want to tell you an incident that happened in the wilderness. There were three men who were lost but had a sense of where they were going, but they had to cross a wild, raging river. And so they decided to pray about it because it was a very uh, strong uh, situation and it was uh, life-threatening. And so the first guy bows his head and prays, God, please give me the strength to cross the river safely to the other side. And poof, God gave him strong legs and strong arms He jumped into the raging river and managed to pull his way across after a a very terrifying experience, got over and just fell exhausted on the other side. The second guy prayed and said, God, please give me the strength and the tools to cross the river safely to the other side. God answered the prayer immediately. Poof, not only did he have strong legs and strong arms, but there was a rowboat sitting right there. Jump in the rowboat, and after a very uh, scary time out on the river, he managed to get across, and he too was exhausted. And the third guy bowed his head and said, God, please give me the strength, the tools, and the intelligence to cross the river to the other side. God gave him strong arms and legs, but he also turned him into a woman. She looked at the map on her phone, walked five minutes upstream, and crossed the bridge over to the other side. <laughs> I, I, I thought you ladies would enjoy that. So I know that every once in a while I'll make uh, you know comments as a man, but... Um, I'm sure that hopefully made up for all those past things that I did. So, Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss. Remember that? The abyss was where the beast and the false prophet were thrown. And holding in his hand a great chain, this angel seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who's the devil or Satan, four names there of of the devil, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death 
has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Finishing off these last couple of verses. When the thousand years were over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city that he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Father, thank you for your word. We just praise you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to to open up the word and make it clear to us of the end times, what is about to be, things to come that will surely happen because they're written in your word. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Have you ever been around somebody who's made your life miserable? (laughs) I think most of us can agree with that. I have more than once. Because I was small for my age, I was a target for bullies over and over again. Many of you have probably had the same experience. Nowadays, the 21st century, schools try to identify and deal with bullies humanely but directly. Most campuses have a no-bullying policy, and it's usually strictly enforced. But when I was going to school in elementary school, the 50s and 60s, way back, it was not the case. I remember when my dad was stationed at Fifth Army Headquarters in Chicago. We were living on a post about 30 miles north of Chicago called Fort Sheridan. And the public schools were in that area were fairly good. And during my fourth, fifth, and sixth grades, I ran into two bullies that picked on me just about the entire time. You know, I still remember their names. Steve Payai and Sammy Manfredini. I don't know why. I guess they, I, this, they, their names stuck in my brain. Two Italian kids from rough homes. They bullied me and the other weaker kids around me. They were mean, they were aggressive, and they were relentless. I mean, I used to sweat great drops of sweat thinking about going out to recess for I knew that something was going to happen to me. Eventually, thank goodness, we moved out of the area. My dad retired from the military, and we moved out of that that environment. But Steve and Sammy's bullying is nothing compared to the bullying nature of the evil spirits of the devil and the demons who stir up sinful nature of men to pick on other people and who bully us as human beings constantly trying to discourage us, trying to give us doubt, feelings of rejection and inadequacy. I'm not good enough. Many of you have had to deal with that for a long time in your life. Many of you probably are still dealing with that. You don't feel good about yourself or your place on this earth. And that's the bullying of the devil and his demons. Ever since God made Lucifer, who rebelled, 
This is before uh, mankind was created, before the earth was made. God created the angels, and a third of them rebelled. And Lucifer was the head dude that did that, and he took a third of the angels with them. Ever since that time, the devil has had three main purposes against human beings. The first one, he's trying to thwart the purposes of God to fill his created earth with sinless, loving, godly people. The devil hates that. He hates us. And so any attempt that he has to, to thwart God's movement in this world, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a tough thing to go inch by inch. Talk, talk to me about it. Tell me about it as a pastor. It's very difficult to try to get people through these doors because they get, there's so much other things going on out there. And who needs God except when the heat gets turned on? The second thing the devil does is to try to lead every soul away from God through lies, through deceit, through trickery, and take them with him into an eternal destiny and torment away from God, also known as Hades or hell. My dad, who is 105, I just had was on the phone with him Friday, had a great conversation. He can talk, as I, I said before, ad, ad, ad nauseum, ad nauseum. Most of you understand who my dad is. He has very clear thinking. But in his, in his way of thinking, he doesn't need God because he's a good guy. He's worked hard all of his life. He's provided for his family. And so he's never, he's not a criminal. So he's... You know, he's okay. He doesn't need God to, in the salvation. And I keep trying to tell him, Dad, that's not the definition of, of righteousness. Righteousness is putting on Christ. And then the third thing the devil tries to do is he actually wants to destroy every human being spiritually, emotionally, physically. He hates us. John chapter 10, verse 10, the, the, the devil has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. And the destruction goes on. Abortions, there's been over 60 million babies in this country since 1973 that have been killed inside the womb of mothers. Violence, oh, Every time you turn the TV on, there's mass shootings. Hatred, it's everywhere. The devil is out there in full bloom trying to get men to, to kill one another, to destroy what's going on in this earth. And I can tell you something. All three of those purposes are unsuccessful when any person comes to Christ and they give their entire heart to Jesus. When you become a full-fledged brother or sister in the Lord, and I'm not talking about somebody who goes to church religiously every Sunday and thinks that's plenty for them. I'm talking about a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. When you do that, the devil can't put his hands on you. You're out of his clutches. Thank goodness for that. Isn't that good news? So you're out of the devil's clutches. Now, does that mean that you're immune from any of his bullying? No. He's still there hammering on you, doing everything he can. Matter of fact, when you came to Christ, it really ticked him off. And he stepped up his bullying. When I came to Jesus, 1976, I thought my world had dropped out. The bottom fell out. Things were happening to me all the time. And I could feel the devil whispering, Barry, this is just a fable. 
you don't, you didn't mean what you what you prayed about. Go back into the world, do what you were doing. Everything is going to be okay, man. It was a struggle. And when you come to Christ, it produces shockwaves in the kingdom of the enemy. There's a book out years ago written by an English author called C.S. Lewis. Anyone ever heard of him before? It, the book is called uh, The Screwtape Letters. If you ever get a hold of something uh, to, to find out how the demonic mind works, uh, Lewis really brings it out very, very carefully. Satan has had his way on earth ever since he encouraged Adam and Eve to sin, to disobey God, which is the definition of sin. Sin is the breaking of God's laws. It's disobedience to God. It's rebellious, rebelliousness to him. And ever since then, he has been deceiving and lying and trying to keep people away from knowing, loving, and obeying God. And he's been quite successful. Jesus said to his disciples one day, Broad is the path that leads to destruction, and there are many people thereon. But narrow is the path that leads to eternal life, and there are few that go on there. So the vast majority of the world is outside of the grace of God. Though we who are Christians have a mandate, and our mandate is to, number one, live for Him daily, and to, to walk amongst the world out there. And number two, to witness, to do acts of kindness. There's plenty out there that we can get involved in. One day, the devil's influence, power, deceitfulness, and trickery will be eliminated. That's good news. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. The first time this will happen is mentioned in Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. It says there that the angel came down from heaven and he sees the dragon, this normal angel sees the dragon, who's the devil, and bound him up. The devil is powerless against one of God's angels. The devil, the angel bound him up and he threw him into the abyss and sealed the abyss of just a, a normal angel. During the millennium. Now the millennium, what is that? The word millennium is split into two words. Milla, which is a thousand, and Adam, which is years. A thousand years. A thousand years Christ will reign on this earth after he comes back the second time. We talked about that last week. And then the second time and the final time that the devil will be bound up and his influence will be forever taken away is when he's let loose on this earth at the end of the millennium, at the end of the thousand years, and he tries to get some uh, kind of rebellion against God and fire comes out of heaven and scorches everybody and then the devil is thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. Once and for all, he will be gone. But during the thousand years, Christ will reign. And the Satan, the devil, is totally out of the picture. Now, when you look in your Bible, if you go into the Old Testament, you go, I've never seen that word millennium before. But when you go through the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and others, you will see that there are certain passages that talk about the millennium that talk about what's going to be happening on the earth. And it's going to be wonderful. I want you to take out the hymn books in front of you real quickly. Some of you don't know this, but take out your hymn books and turn to number 415, please. 
we sing this Christmas carol every year. Just about. Number 415. And it's called Joy to the World, written by Isaac Watts back in the 1700s. Look at the words. I'm not going to sing it, but look at the words. I'm not going to go sing, uh, sing the chorus, but it says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. The second verse, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. So Jesus is coming back to reign as king on the earth, and the whole world will be full of joy. Verse 3, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. The curse will be removed from the earth. And then the fourth fourth verse, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of the... So, it's really a song not about the first advent or Christmas, but it's about the second advent when He comes back to uh, to finish off what He was... that the evil that's on the earth and then rule and reign for a thousand years. Your notes in your... Uh, your uh, Bulletin, follow with me, please. When does the millennial take place? The millennium take place? At the end of the Great Tribulation period, seven-year period, which is the most horrible time of man's history ever. That will be coming up in the future, and it will make uh, the Holocaust and all of the, the stuff that has happened horribly over these last centuries like a Sunday school picnic. Christ will return to earth a second time. He will judge the beast and the false prophet. He will wage war against the spiritual forces of darkness at Armageddon. And he will be united forever with his bride, his church, that's us, at the wedding supper of the Lamb. He will rule and reign on this earth. It takes place at the end of the tribulation. Now, where does it take place? Right here. In Dixon, California. No, let me see. It takes place on planet Earth. It takes place here on this world. Not in some distant galaxy, not on Mars. It takes place here on planet Earth. What is the millennium like? Number three. It's a time of great peace. Peace is found in only two places, folks. It's found in the individual hearts who have Christ, and it's found in the dictionary. Since Eden, the Garden of Eden, man has longed for peace. There have been peace movements. I know I was I was part of that peace movement even though I was an ROTC student. I was a short-haired rebel. Back in the 60s and 70s, there have been marches for peace. There's been the Nobel Peace Prize for those who, who invent things for peace. Uh, and people have gone to war to gain peace. Although people long for, pray for, legislate for, fight and die for peace, it still remains aloof. Is there any peace in this world right now? No. No worldwide peace. The peace has to come from Christ in our hearts as we walk out these doors into a world that is slowly turning away from God and losing all kinds of sanity. During the millennium, The whole world will experience peace and will be removed from the ravages of the tribulation. 
Those of you who have been in my previous messages about what's been taking place, it, it, this will be, it will be a breath. It's like, ah, finally, I arrived out of that horrible situation of seven years, and it will be a time of peace. There will be no crime. There will be no fear. There will be only good news on the TV. There will be no violence, no mass shootings, no wars. In Micah chapter 4, verses 2 and 4, it says this. Micah the prophet, uh, he wrote this about 700 years before Christ. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Zion is the same as Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. This verse, by the way, is found over the United Nations building in New York. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Every man will sit under his own vine, under his own fig tree. No one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. There is no need for military anymore during the millennium. It will be a time of peace. No more cults, no more astrology or witchcraft or occults. Everyone will be passionate about God. Can you imagine me uh, as a pastor putting out there the sign that says uh, 10 o'clock services on Sunday morning and then, you know, 9 o'clock, an hour before people are crowding in here going, Pastor, I can't wait to hear your message. They jump down on their knees and begin praying. It's like I would faint. I would need somebody to give me smelling salts. wouldn't know what to do with myself. As a time of prosperity, think about this. No debts, no inflation, no taxes, no unpaid bills. <laughs> Can you imagine that? A time of perpetual health, no doctors, no nurses, no dentists, no hospitals. It'll be a time of personal joy. It would be like the Christmas morning to a child or water to a parched tongue or music to a troubled soul or a warm fire on a cold night. Personal joy every day, every moment of every day. Christ will rule and believers of us, we will rule with Jesus Christ we will be assigned if we are faithful to Jesus. When that time comes, he will assign us certain places to rule. I've already put in my dibbies for Monterey and, and, and that area down there. Satan will be on death row. He will be no longer able to deceive or seduce people into rebellion. Believers, listen, believers will continue to repopulate the earth. And the children born from them will still have free will. Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem, and there will be world peace, and the nations will come and bring their wealth to Christ, and, and you know they will, they will honor the Lord, but there will still be people who will choose not to worship Jesus when he's ruling on the earth. I, I can't believe that, but it's true. The Bible's very true. It says that. They will still rebel. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released for a short time. 
He will gather his old cohorts, Gog and Magog, the nations that hate Israel and Israel's God, and they will attack Jerusalem, the city that God loves once more. It will be a very short battle. Flame, fire will come out of heaven, and it will consume the... And I'm just, when I, when I, even as when I speak that, I, I'm thinking about the people fleeing paradise in the flames, those caught in cars and, and the stories of those who made it out. And I mean, the flames were licking at them from behind and they barely made it. Incredible. Fire will zap those rebellious armies. And then Satan will be thrown into the final place of torment. Why is Satan released? Why is there a final battle? Mainly to show that even under the ideal conditions, man's heart is evil. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Psalm chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. God says, I looked down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there were any who understood, any who seeked or sought after God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And sinful and foolish people will still follow Satan at the end of the millennium. Now, number four, what is meant by the two resurrections here? It's interesting. Since the resurrection of Christ 2,000 years ago, listen carefully, every New Testament believer who has been born after Christ was resurrected, who who dies will go immediately to be with Jesus in the temporary heaven called paradise. Remember the the thief who hung on the cross. Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. That simply means that there will be a wonderful place like heaven. It will be what they call an intermediate heaven. And then as they go at the end of Revelation, chapters 21 and 22, you will see that there's a final heaven, new heaven and new earth that will come down uh, from 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 God's heaven, God's throne room, and it will settle on the new earth, the new earth, uh, the new heavens and the new earth. But in the meantime, every believer, that's us who dies before Christ uh, comes back, we will be with Jesus in heaven. We will go into this paradise. At the rapture, and we could be the last generation that are raptured out, every believer's body will be reunited with their soul, their spirit, into a wonderful, pain-free, non-aging new body, lasting into the millennium, the thousand years, and then on from that into eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, the first resurrection is the resurrection unto life, and it's only one death. That's the New Testament saints before the tribulation, the ones I just were talking about, and it's the Old Testament saints and the martyred tribulation saints, the people who were killed during the tribulation, that, they, that will be at the end of the tribulation. So the first resurrection is only one death. You only die once and you're resurrected, the first resurrection. Blessed are those who are part of that first resurrection. The second resurrection is the resurrection unto death. That will be leading to the second death, which is hell. All unbelievers... Since the beginning of creation, those who have rejected Christ and his offer of salvation will be resurrected the second time unto death. And that will be at the end of the millennium to face the great white throne judgment. I'll be speaking on that next week. Now, number five, why do we need a millennium? Why can't we just, you know, die 
or be raptured and go right into the new heavens and the new earth. How come we have to go through this thousand years stuff? A thousand years is a long time. Why do you have to do that? As a reward for God's people and their faithfulness, we will be able to experience firsthand ruling and reigning with Jesus because of our lives at the present time that earn for us a reward from Christ. Many of the parables in the New Testament, Jesus said, you will be given cities to rule. Some of you are going, I'm not a very good ruler. I don't know about Relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. Why do we need a millennium? As a fulfillment of prophecy. Plenty of places in the Old Testament talk about the millennium. Thirdly, to redeem creation back to its original state before the fall of man. Before the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. When Adam tilled the garden, he worked, but it was a perfect environment. Work will not be a hassle. Work will be wonderful. It will be, it will be inspiring. We won't go, oh, man, I've got to get up and go to work again. I can't believe it. Let me another cup of coffee. Christian crank. Get that stuff down me so I can go to work. Sorry, I don't drink coffee, but some of you do. So that's okay. And it's not crank. Close. No, let's do it. All right. Now, fourthly, to reemphasize man's depravity. Sin will enter this ideal, perfect environment on earth, and people will still turn away from God, which will show you that a perfect world cannot cause mankind to be sinless. People have longed for a perfect world. They're working for a perfect world so that everything will be hunky-dory. That ain't going to happen until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom to rule and to reign. Conclusion. <laughs> I love putting these together. It's a lot of work, but I can tell you one thing. I mean, it, it's, it's a real blessing for me to know that I'm giving you absolute truth and that it's for your good. It's for the building up of your faith. Number one, no one is sinless. No one's perfect. No one has arrived. We're all on transit. We're all in the process. Number two, our hearts get hardened easily and quickly by sin. Why do you think me as a, as a pastor become an angel? I sit on a cloud and harp about people. I'm not an angel. Harp about people. Come to church. Don't miss church. Try to get here as much as you can so you can hear the word of God and be built up. Our hearts get hardened easily and quickly by sin, by the stuff around us. It's, has, it has affected my own family members. Thirdly, we must constantly keep our hearts right before God with confession and repentance. When you do something you know has offended somebody, confess it to the Lord and make it right with that person and repent. Keep your heart soft before God. Be teachable. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life. Don't harden your heart and say, I know all the answers. Number four, only God can purify our hearts with his love and his forgiveness. Only God can do that. No counselor, no psychiatrist can do that. Only God can purify our hearts. Number five, if we remain connected to God, he will greatly reward us one day. Wouldn't it be cool if all of you guys were with me as we 
took if we you know were in command of certain cities, you know, uh, I'll have Dixon and one of you guys take Vacaville and another one Woodland and another one David. I mean, it'd be cool, right? Lord, we're, and it'll be the same thing. We'll be on an earth that will be completely renovated, but it'll be similar. We, we'll be able to recognize it, but the curse will be gone. And then number six, one day in the future, we will no longer have to battle the devil. Hallelujah. We won't have to battle the devil. The devil will be history. He'll be gone. The millennium and the judgment on Satan. Our enemy is going to be judged. And we will be able to see that. And it will give us great joy to know that evil will be overcome by God's power and His greatness. Amen? (sighs) All right. The next lecture is next Sunday. God's Word is truth. It's good. Please, please come back. Please bring your families to hear what these end times are all about. And please... By all means, if you missed any of these messages for whatever reason, uh, please make sure you get the CDs that we're going to be putting together. Father, thank you for these blessings, these brothers and sisters, Lord, whom I love very much. I'm so honored to be uh, their pastor. I'm so honored to be with them, God, as we walk this, this pathway of life together. I'm not any better than anyone else in this room. I'm not any more holy and I'm not any more closer to God. And a couple of you are going under your breath. Amen. Amen. Lord, we're all in this together. God, we're encouraging one another. I pray your blessings spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, materially, socially on every one of my brothers and sisters, oh God. Bless them. Bring healing and strength to their bodies. And now, may the love of God the Father, may the power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering today for His Word. Thank you for your Word today, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.